Welcome to Security Chipmunks Podcast, where we talk about the development of cybersecurity skills. To stay up to date, in today's world, you need to be resilient. That's why as advanced persistent chipmunks, we keep chipping away at it. My name is Mick Zedna Johnson. My co-host is Neil Smalley. And today we are joined by our special guest, Barry Pittman. Welcome, Barry. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. Glad to have you here. Awesome. All right. So before uh, jumping into the interview, we are going to talk about the conferences and uh, some scholarships for our listeners. So today's conference that we are highlighting is the B-Sides Boulder Conference. Um, It is happening on June 12th, and admission is free. It is an online conference, so make sure that uh, you check that out. And the scholarship that we are highlighting is the Lockheed Martin uh, Community STEM Education Scholarship. Uh, This is a vocational scholarship that you can use at community colleges and um, for certification programs. This scholarship is for um, recipients based on their takes into consideration their academic performance, demonstrated leadership and participation in school and community activities, work experience, and a statement of career and educational goals and objectives. And preferences will be given to applicants enrolled and or planning to enroll at one of Lockheed Martin's priority institutions. However, it is not mandatory to attend one of the priority institutions to be eligible for the scholarship. Awesome. All right. So would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself, Barry, and what you do? Uh, I'm Barry Pittman. Uh, I am a voice network engineer by trade, and I've been doing that for going on 20 years now. Oh, awesome. wow. That's really neat. What got you started in voice? Uh, voice? Uh, <laughs> it's kind of it was a weird story, actually. Um okay. My my dad, my late father, had retired from uh, AT&T back in the day. And the particular position that he had, uh, at some point they had replaced him with another guy, obviously, when he retired. Well, that particular person, unfortunately, had to go out on a disability. And they needed to fill that position quickly. So they called my dad back and said, hey, you want to come out of retirement, go back to work? blah, blah, blah. And he's like, heck no, I'm enjoying retirement. I'm not going back to work. And they're like, well, we have to have someone in this position immediately. Anybody technically minded, you know, do you have any idea of someone? Because, you know, I'm in a rural, very rural state. And uh, mm-hmm. so it's, it's not always easy to find a tech person, especially 20 years ago. So anyway, he, right. he suggested me, long story short, they called me and I interviewed, did some tests, got hired. Nice. Okay. So your, your father did it and then they needed somebody to step in and you were there available. Right. And, and you, you, you like, you like it? Yeah. Yeah. Learned yeah. a lot. Uh, actually he taught me most of what I knew <laughs> early <laughs> on anyway. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's gotcha. great. Very cool. So for the listeners who might not know what is VoIP exactly and Roughly, how does it work? VoIP is uh, another one of those many millions of IT acronyms. Uh, it's short for Voice Over IP. And basically, it is how we communicate today. Pretty much 
just about any phone call these days at some point traverses a uh, an IP network to get from point A to point B. And at that point, it's converted to IP, obviously, and therefore it's VoIP at some little segment along the way. Uh, some networks are obviously VoIP end-to-end, you know, like where I work now. If I pick up the phone and call the guy two cubicles over, it's all VoIP. But if I call my wife's cell phone, it's obviously VoIP. Then it gets converted to either a PRI or a SIP trunk, and then ultimately to a cellular, which is, again, another quasi IP format. So de- definitely lots of uh, different abbreviations and I want to not to learn. Yep. All right. So with all of these networks using VoIP, what are some security issues that you come across using VoIP? Oh, there, <laughs> there's a lot. Sometimes there is, sometimes there's not. In the early days before there was VoIP, we used basically a traditional TDM architecture that's actually still in use today in a lot of places. And it's very easy to basically wiretap a TDM architecture. A lot of places, I hate to name businesses, but there's a lot of restaurants out there that are chain restaurants that use what we call a hybrid analog digital phone system, old school PBX. It's very easy if you know what you're doing to tap that or listen in on phone calls, especially if you can get to those little gray boxes hanging on the outside like you have usually on your house. Those are usually on businesses too. You can easily, even with an analog phone, tap onto that and uh, listen to phone calls. So now we got VoIP, which is over the IP, over the IP network. But the fallacy within VoIP itself is that it uses UDP packets for most of the voice transmission. UDP packets are very easy to capture and very easy to trace, obviously, with something such as Wireshark. Well, mm-hmm. depending on your system, some of those have encryption on it. Some of them don't. Some of them are cap- Most of them are capable of being set up to be used encryption. So if you're using a service or a provider, make sure when they set up your system that you're using encryption or otherwise someone checks into your network they can run a sniffer capture some udp packets listen to your voice conversations etc oh wow very cool yeah it's my understanding and uh or at least i've used wireshark before they have a plugin that will actually let you play back uh, captured calls yes yes they do <laughs> so, fun so be wary if you're on a voip network that you know make sure it's secure before you get rattling off someone your credit card number over the phone <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if someone wants to learn more about uh, this stuff, are, are there any good resources if you're, when you're getting started? Yeah, uh, there's basic networking. I would start there. And like predominant players these days, obviously Cisco, they have Cisco call manager. Cisco has a pretty good suite of uh, VoIP training. Uh, another big contender is a company called Avaya. Uh, which formerly used to be Lucent Technologies, which formerly used to be AT&T, which is who I worked for at one time. And they're a big player in the VoIP market. And then we have uh, what we call hosted services today, which is VoIP in the cloud. And probably the biggest player in that is probably Broadsoft. Uh, I actually think they got acquired by Cisco within the last couple of years. Uh, They have a very good product. It does work well. Uh, but there's a lot of resellers, so always be sure if you go with that service, you know, do not be afraid to ask and, you know, how are you setting this up for secure use, you know, because, again, you don't want some fly by night company selling you a service and they don't know what they're doing and setting up something insecurely. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. All right. So if somebody wanted to set this, set up their own VoIP home lab, would they need to get some specialized hardware to do that? No, actually, you can get most of what you need for that. You could probably get off the shelf and some people probably actually have it laying around their house. You know, you could take an old unused server and download something like, I think there's a one called Free PBX and load that. You could download that freely, put that on there and just have you a uh, local network switch. And you could pick up a couple of like very affordable, say, Polycom IP phones off of eBay and put on there. Now you would obviously need to have a PoE switch to power the phones over the network or have the power bricks to plug into them. But mm-hmm. I mean, for very little money, you could have two phones working on your desk pretty quick. Yeah, I actually, uh, that's my, my current project right now. I just uh, have an old desktop sitting under my desk. I slept free PBX on and then I have yeah, a Polycom yeah. I got off Amazon. So yep. There you I go. used one and it looks brand new, honestly. Yeah. And you probably don't have much cost. tied up in it. Yep. Yep. And in the early days, uh, people would set up home labs and use something like Google, Google voice. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think Google has made some changes to that application and it's a little harder to use now for something like that. There's been people who use something like Magic Jack as a uh, trunk for their VoIP service, you know. Okay. I haven't heard that name in a few years. Yeah. It's, it's that, yeah. I that used to be around. the late night. Yeah, that used to be the late night advertising. Yep. Know, get your phone service with Magic Jack. Okay, cool. So, what are some trends that you're seeing uh, in the telecom or the VoIP world? Mainly, a lot of this is going to the hosted service to the cloud. Mm-hmm. Again, some of the stuff I work with lately has been going to a broad, soft-based service. Again, it's in the cloud, but it, from what we could tell. It's basically being hosted like on an Amazon web service somewhere. Okay. All right. So shifting away a little bit from the the work aspects, you're also a WGU student. How has it been uh, juggling the, the work and the, the school? This was my first term. And actually yesterday morning, I successfully completed my first class. So I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like ecstatic right now. I'm like, yeah. So there was, yeah, that, that first class was a big learning curve mm-hmm. because I, obviously I'm an older student. So the brain's not as fast as it used to be. So, or I don't think it is anyway, but my wife tells me otherwise. So, you know, there was the whole, you know, anyone who gets a little age and they start doubting themselves if they can do something that's dominated by a younger generation. Right. So there was this whole, can I actually do this? But I had a, I have a great mentor there and he's been very encouraging the whole time. And Mm -hmm. my instructor has been very encouraging. So I made it to the first class yesterday, passed my, uh, I call it the final exam. They call it an objective assessment, but uh, I passed that by a very good margin. So I'm, excited and i'm stoked to get started on my next class awesome awesome good glad to hear that yeah so what is the biggest challenge facing you right now basically from a security standpoint is making sure that that hosted service is secure because i'm i'm one of those i like to see my server i want to know where it is i want to be able to access it not just over the network, but I want to physically approach it and see that it's sitting there safely locked Mm -hmm. up in a rack. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When something's in the cloud, 
you don't know. I mean, a salesperson could say, oh, it's cloud, it's safe. Yeah, but really? I mean, where is it? I can't see it. You can tell me that it's in the data center, you know, 17 states away or something, but I don't know that, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, maybe that's a little oddity of mine, but I really like to know where that hardware sits. And I want to know if it's being shared by other businesses. I want it, you know, do I have a dedicated cloud? Is it a private cloud, shared cloud? Exactly how much the resource is shared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Like if we think about like Texas recently, yeah. if your server was in Texas, their electrical right. infrastructure has issues. Right. So that that's a consideration. Yeah. I've been studying for various cloud classes and they talk about basically third-party audit of uh, cloud services. Are there any kind of VoIP third-party certifications to look out for? Or? As far as the VoIP, they don't, there's none that I'm aware of dedicated strictly to VoIP. We usually just go by the ones, like you just said, a third-party, I call it a generic certification. Gotcha. There are other security aspects, this being a security podcast, dealing with, with, with VoIP and PBX equipment. One of the things that stuck out in my mind was early on in my career, I was doing some work at a, uh, a university. I won't say which one, but at that time they had old school PRI T1 circuits coming in and over those circuits, they had what we call DID numbers, direct inward dialing. And that's a number that anyone can dial and it rings straight to a specific phone, right? Like a dedicated number almost. Well, when they were going through revitalizing some of the sorority buildings that had elevators, they unknowingly or unwittingly assigned DID numbers to the elevator phones on the elevators. Okay. That's uh, okay. Whatever. The thing is within those elevators, those specific type of elevator phones that were in there, when you call it, it doesn't ring. It just goes live. And it's a speaker with a call button on it. So if you used to call it, the speaker just goes live. They do, whoever's in the elevator doesn't hear ringing. They didn't hear a tone. You're just there. <laughs> so I was at this university working, and one of the university technicians let it slip that, oh, yeah, the, that that uh, elevator phone over there in the sorority houses, it has a DID number assigned to it. And I was like, oh, interesting. Okay. So at some point, somewhere down the line, someone would sit up on Friday or Saturday nights, call the elevator phone and just let it sit there and listen to it. And at some point, college people being as they are, you would hear sometimes some inebriated college students getting onto the elevator and they would be talking about whatever they did at the club or who they hung out with or what they thought about this guy or that guy, at which point some person who had ever called this phone, this elevator phone would in a deep voice say, this is God. I know what you did and I do not approve of it. At which point when you heard the elevator door go ding and it opened, they would go screaming off the elevator. So (laughs) civic service, that's what, that's what it was called at the time. Hey, trying to straighten them up, keep them on straight and narrow. Oh my goodness. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, it actually is if you think about it. You know, just 
imagine you getting on the elevator and you not know all of a sudden somebody's talking to you through a speaking. You're like, what? Who is that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. That, making sure those are hooked up is important as well. Uh, but that could be imagine. another, uh, that could be another security flaw too. You know, don't have DID numbers designated to specific internal devices that you don't want anyone outside of your facility to be able to call. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, what are the best resources that have helped you along the way? Probably the, the, the training that the company that I used to work for sent me to, mm-hmm. which was their, with their proprietary stuff, which was basically classes on the Avaya and the Lucent equipment and some of the older AT&T equipment. Been some Cisco stuff that's been very helpful, mainly on the networking side. And then my dad, my late father, he taught me so much about, you know, just basic troubleshooting skills. You know, those apply to just about anything within the IT realm. If you've got basic troubleshooting skills, you can probably figure out just about anything. Yeah. Just just know how to use logic, know how to do a rough root cause analysis, and you can figure something out. So with the way things are going in uh, the VoIP realm, everything moving to the cloud, do you want to move more towards cloud stuff or do you have a dream job that you want to transition to here? The industry is transitioning to the cloud. I don't necessarily want it to, but it, that's where it's going, right? You know, you can say, I don't like heat, but summer's going to come every year. So you got to deal with it, right? So, yeah, it's going to the cloud. And I have been picking up some more cloud skills because, you know, as anyone within the IT realm, it's a constant learning process. You got to stay with it. Or are you going to get left behind like yesterday? So the biggest hurdle for me is just trying to stay current with everything. And it's not too bad, but there's some pretty good resources out there. I review a lot of the free stuff on places such as like cyberary.it. Then there's, I mean, you could go on YouTube and there's some great, great content uh, creators out there. And then there's great podcasts like this one that I usually pick up something from just about every person on there and learn something, you know. But uh, strictly security, uh, the Cyber Mentor, he's been great. Uh, again, Cyber IT has been great. When I really want to think about something, maybe not specifically VoIP related, you know, I'll listen to uh, one of the generic, I call them generic uh, security podcasts where they tell a story about how someone got hacked or something. And anyway, it always gets your brain to thinking, right? Yeah. Yeah. Out of everything we've talked about this episode, what would be your number one takeaway for our listeners? If you're going to be in this industry, whether it's VoIP or security as a whole or anything niche within IT, stay focused, number one. Two, keep an open mind. Three, always be willing to learn because, again, it's constantly changing. What was two, three years ago is already dated today. So you got to be constantly learning. You got to be constantly open-minded don't resist change because it's coming and whether you like it or not and if you don't you're going to get left behind where can our listeners connect with you online i'm on twitter it's pitman underscore barry all right thank you so much all right thanks thank you for joining us all right no problem so thanks for listening to the security chipmunks and remember if it seems overwhelming just keep chipping away at it